This is Brandy, written by Kyle Brooks and based on the screenplay of the same name. Episode 5, Family Ties. like to remind listeners there are depictions of sexual assault throughout this story. <laughs> I wrote this the day she was born. Baby Ava. Hi Ava. I'm your daddy. Welcome to the world. I never had much of a father. I never had much of a mother either. But I did have a sister and a great older brother. That's your Andy Ava over there. She gave you your name. And your Uncle Noah. And they're going to make sure you're safe when I'm not around. Like they made sure I was safe when I was your age. There's so much for me to show you and teach you and see you grow up beautiful every day. We're going to have so much fun. <clears throat> if you ever need me or you ever get told you're not like everyone else, I'm always there. I've been there too and I know the pain. You're never going to know that, and you're never going to be alone in this world. You're going to be the best little girl anybody ever knew. The world is going to know you. I love you so much, my baby girl. She was the best little girl. It was the first time I'd seen real innocence and it was like it's like being blind for decades and then suddenly someone drawing back the curtains and you can see all the colors and the, the beauty around you. You miss her. Of course I miss her. Wasn't supposed to be like this. Like what? All fucked up. All fucked up. The whole thing fucked up. My childhood, my thoughts, my actions, that wasn't supposed to be my life. But it was. Yeah. And I know that now. What effect did becoming a father have on you? It stopped me for a few years. Can say that. Uh, when did you start again? Around 77, I think it was fall. Why? I didn't want it to be without my daughter. It felt like I was so focused on her that those urges went away again. But deep down, I knew that was temporary. Same thing. It happened when I met Emma. It all went away for a while. Then I get bored. 
I hate that. It all, it all feels such a waste. Uh, Harry, was there no help you could seek before it ever got this far? Help? Help where? Oh, oh, hi. I'm, I'm looking for some treatment. Sure. Whoa, sure. What's the problem? I'm a serial killer. Which way to the waiting room? Come on. It's impossible. No, I, I mean, before any of this started, when you came out of juvie, you could have asked for help with these feelings before the fantasies passed into years and you, you eventually lived them out. Let me tell you something. Okay, society does not want to help. Despite what they want you to believe, they want to suppress. A rapist, a pedophile, a potential murderer cannot simply ask for help with the thoughts before they act on it. Because society does not want to hear that. They, they don't want to think that something like that could be in their community. I could say because they would much prefer that it occurs unknown and then they can find and lynch the bastard. There is much more fear in a community when they see a person and think, will they, won't they? I would not be welcome to talk about my thoughts unless I was sat like I am in front of you right now. I understand. How long did you get to spend with your daughter? Not long enough. It was a very emotional moment. One of the few times I rarely saw the man behind the monster. I have no doubt he truly loved his daughter and his wife, but he couldn't keep the dogs at bay. From where he came from, he turned out to have a dream life now. And in this self-destructive way, he would continue to throw it away. I think he regretted his actions, not necessarily the lives taken, but yeah, his his decisions. Yeah. Yeah, it was uh, fall 77 when he came back. We had several home invasions in the space of three or four weeks or something. It was like he was making up for lost time. It was the Morst household first in late October, then the Price household. Then by November, we had two attacks in one night with the Osaki and the Alvarez couples. I think the public and the sheriff's department became too comfortable again. This fugitive had never been caught. But as the years passed, people carried on thinking that these crimes were just a thing of the past. This man was still out there. The M.O.s were the same, the rape and sodomy of the female victims, that was still there. The television set left on at high volume, that was still there. Leaving the female victim deceased in the living room in the mail and the bedroom, that was all still there. One thing that was different was he was now bludgeoning his victims to death. He wasn't doing this to throw us off, he kept everything else the same. He just really stepped up his connection he wanted to have to the victim when he took their life. Why did you stop using the 22 when you came back? I didn't stop using it altogether. I just felt it was too... 
and personal at times. Sometimes you have to feel it to be truly satisfied. Some serial killers prefer strangulation, but that wasn't for me. Do you remember the last day you spent outside with your daughter? Yeah. Mm-hmm. It was uh, it was her fifth birthday party. That was the last day I spent with her. She turned five and we had this big garden party for her. Parents around the party were talking about how the attacks had started up again and how they had started changing their locks. And people who had never owned a gun before were now lining up around the block to get their hands on one. Harry would always keep himself distant from those conversations and would just agree with how awful the situation was and that not enough was being done to get this guy. I remember he spent all of his time that day with Ava. Maybe he knew or planned that that would be the last day he would be with her, but she was so happy to have him there with her all day. She never used to leave his side back then, and they did everything together. I mean, everything. From the moment she was born, but I guess he didn't want to put his demons to rest. I remember when she made her birthday wish. Harry kept asking her what she wished for, but she wouldn't tell him. I asked her and she said, if she told me, then it won't come true, as kids say. I asked if the wish was about a certain person and she said it was. So I told her if she didn't tell that person what the wish was and then it would be okay and it would still happen. She told me that she wished her daddy would live forever. Now she's a teenager and we've had to tell her the truth about what's going to happen in a few days with her father. And I think she's at peace with that wish now. I know Emma changed her name and Avery's name after the trial, but do you think she would be willing to talk with us at all under a protected identity? I don't think that's likely to happen. Avery's birthday, that was the last day he was a free man. I think he probably planned it to be that way. Avery's birthday, I mean... He knew he wasn't going to be able to run forever and time was running out. I think he knew sooner or later he was going to get caught. Thinking about it, he sat down next to me just after Ava made her candle wish. And I said to him, you look like you got something heavy on your mind. He just passed it off as he didn't know how he was going to put all his party stuff away, but... I knew there was something more going on in the head of his. I told him whatever it was he could tell me, but he did what he always did and just shut shut down and changed the subject. By 1978, Harry Hosea Brady would commit his final act of violence in the suburb 
of Misa. There would be no more lies, no more running, no more double life. The five-year nightmare of Maricopa County would soon be at an end, and the residents would have a name for their torturer. He gave himself up. There's no other word for it. Law enforcement didn't catch him. He essentially held his hands up and said, it was me. One of two reasons you do something like that. One, you're tired of running. Or two, you want credit for what's been done. You want people to know you were the one who did all this. You brought a county to its knees. Harry always did like attention. I wouldn't say I made the decision beforehand that this was going to be the last one. It was more of a gut reaction at the time I was in the house. I remember once I was inside, it was just like any other incident. I went into the bedroom, found the female asleep. No male. Didn't even care. Kicked the bed. She woke up and I said, yeah, don't move, bitch. She started freaking out, saying, oh, you're him, you're him, you're him, aren't you? I said, you better fucking believe it. I got too cocky. I didn't fully check the house like I used to. I guess I didn't care anymore. It was all going to come to an end soon anyway with how things were going. I can't run forever, so... I guess I also thought that I was, I was above every, everything. I was, I was above the police. I was above everyone. I was above the sheriff's department. Nobody could touch me. So I, uh, I kick the bed. She wakes up. And in that moment, this guy comes in the room and jumps on me going for the gun. We struggled for control of that for a while, and the the female ran out of the bedroom. I don't know where she had gone at the time. Um, Then the fucker smashes this lamp over my head, cuts my fucking brow right open. So I force my thumb into his eye. Kind Kind of backs up like this, and I rolled on top of him and grabbed the gun. Put it straight under his chin and pulled the trigger. This had not gone to plan at all. I panicked. I ran out of the bedroom into the hall and saw that the female running out of the bedroom at the other other end of the hall. I shot her instantly. This had to be something to just get done straight away and get out. I remember standing there for a moment and I can hear crying. Very, very faint, very faint crying. I slowly walked into the room at the end of the hall that she had ran out of. And I see it's a nursery. A nursery like, like Ava's. I kept hearing this muffled crying. And I realized it's coming from the closet. Swing open the door and this little girl is inside. She's holding a baby. She must have been about eight years old. There were about, I didn't even have a mask on. And in that moment, I knew it was all over. 
there was a slight relief when I thought that. I wasn't going to kill a kid. And she could, she could identify me <laughs> very easily. Uh, I just lowered the gun. And I said to the girl, tell them it was Bronte. Now I left. Why did you do that? You, you're, you won't believe what I tell you now. But I'll tell you anyway. I was disgusted by what I saw. By what I did for the first time. I was disgusted. It was like seeing a reflection of myself in that child's eyes. It was like seeing Ava looking at me, holding this gun. And I've... And I've just killed her mom and dad. I then get a call at about 3 a.m. telling me he's hit again. But he left a couple of kids alive there. I was told they got a good look at him. He had no mask on. The kid said he had a slight limp and he left her with a message. I asked the deputy, what message? And he says, he gave his name, Clarence. He gave his name. What? Something didn't add up. Why? Why would he do that? He's been running for five years now and he gives up his name willingly? I put that to one side for the time being and we searched everything we could find on the name Bronte. We found one match in Arizona. Only one. Harry Hosea Bronte spent time in a juvenile detention center in the 1960s for breaking and entering and the attempted rape of a teenage girl. We had his home address. Then it hit me what he wanted. I knew what his plan was now. He wanted to go out in a blaze of glory. He wasn't going to be caught alive for those crimes. I got every armed officer I could muster at that time, and at around 5 a.m., we stormed 305 Monrova Drive. He went home after that attack. He went home to confess all and make his goodbyes to his family. He believed this would be the, the last time he would ever see them, and he needed them out of the house before it all went to hell on that street. He knew the sheriff's department would be there very soon. It would be some time before I knew what was said in the living room of the Bronte household that night. The last words said between a family. That was the one thing Harry would not talk about. He would discuss his crimes with ease. His life but he would not talk about the last time he spoke to his family. When they left the house, they barely took anything with them. They left through the back door, took the car, and everything was suddenly quiet. It was eerily quiet alone in that house, apart from hearing those sirens coming from the distance. 
I reloaded the 22 and took a few extra rounds. I loaded the shotgun. I kept behind the liquor cabinet, put them both next to my armchair. I then put on Wanted Man on the record player. And that rang out into every room of the house. Just blare out those fucking sirens. I poured myself another large whiskey and I just waited. Sat in the dark, staring out of the living room window at the street outside. Those sirens just kept getting closer and closer with every shot of whiskey I had. Then they were there and it was time. I was scared. They all piled out of their cruises into defensive positions, you know, behind the cars. And I remember I accepted what was about to happen. I flipped over the dining room table and took cover behind it. I then waited for them to come up to the door. As soon as they kicked that front door in, I let off a round into the chest of one officer. Killed him instantly. It all turned into fucking mayhem from there. He killed Officer Cruz on impact. He himself was a family man. We heard the shot ring out and we reported shots fired. Before anyone could even give an order, there were rounds being fired out of the front door and all our officers were trying to get to any cover they could. He had barricaded himself into the living room area of the house. Another officer, Officer Rowe, tried to flank Mr. Bronte from the front window of the house and he was also shot. He also sadly later died from his injuries. I wanted him alive. He wasn't going to get the easy way out he wanted. I was getting overrun pretty quickly. I was thinking it would all be over soon, so just keep shooting, keep shooting. The cops then came charging through the back door, and I fired the remaining shells I had left in the shotgun, and then suddenly I feel this hit that knocked the wind out of me. I look down and I see I've been shot in the shoulder. I took the 22, fired a few shots, I didn't even know what the fuck I was shooting at. Just a- anything, anything. Um, fired a few shots and they headed up the stairs. I was I was used to hunting in the dark. They weren't. This was this was my territory now. Over the radio, I was told he had been hit and he had retreated upstairs. Bronte's been hit. I repeat, Bronte's been hit. We pursued. We didn't want to give him any time for any means of escape. We were dealing with a highly dangerous and adaptive killer here, and we couldn't give him an inch. There was radio silence after that, whilst officers cleared the rooms. And then we heard another shot. I hit down the hallway. I thought I had more shots left than I did. A cop was passing by the doorway, and I went to move past, and he spots me. We both shot. At the same time, I got it in the leg and I hit him in the head. I was then on the floor and I put the 22 to my head. 
and I pull the trigger. <laughs> the chamber was empty. <laughs> I just thought, fuck. <laughs> Next thing I remember, I'm getting the shit kicked out of me by all these cops. No, it didn't. It didn't go my way that night. He killed three police officers that night. Everyone wanted to kill him. He wasn't going to get what he wanted. Not this time. We finally had him. I didn't get a chance to actually sit down and talk to him face to face for a few days after that. I was finally going to get to look at this man who I'd been chasing for five years, who had given me countless sleepless nights, and tell him he's done. When I did speak with him, I asked him straight, why? Why did you do it? He just said, I hate rude people. Following his capture, the rude ripper, Harry Hosea Brandy, would plead guilty to all charges against him in order to avoid trial. Due to the severity of his crimes, he would later be sentenced to death at Arizona State Prison. That date was now upon him as he spent his final moments of life reflecting on the reality that now lay before him. I didn't want any trial. I said that from the get-go. I didn't want Emmer or Aver hearing the details of those cases at the time. They would have had to sit through mom, months of media attention and hearing everything that happened with those people. So I just cut it short. I was going to be found guilty either way. Trial felt redundant. So I just wanted all of that cut out. Got the death penalty, and that was always going to happen. I did believe him when he said why he pled guilty. As I've said before, his family were the only real human part of him. The only thing that really hit a nerve in him. Um, if I may, I would like to just read something I found many years later. Um when I was actually covering his guilty plea, I published Harry's final statement at his sentencing. Here we go. So, this was uh, Harry Jose Bronte's uh, final statement on the yeah on the day of his sentencing. Um. So, here we go. I've done a lot of. Th- bad things my whole life. I know the details of my crimes will eventually be known far and wide. I know my child will eventually know what kind of man her father was. People will study me and agonize over the reasons why, what made me, how can it be prevented? These are questions I know I will spend my remaining days answering. The truth is, it wasn't one thing. It was a bit of me and who I am, and it was a bit of the world 
and the hand it dealt me in my early years. If you mix that together, you can create a very dangerous individual. One cannot exist without the other to make this person. This is by no means an excuse for my actions, but it is a small insight. I know what I am, and now I can only apologize for the pain I have inflicted on everyone else and everyone involved. All I ask is that you are fair on the families of the victims when I was not. Thank you. He was taken away after that. Uh, Harry's sister uh, contacted me very soon before our meeting on death row. She told me Harry's wife was in town for his execution. And she she explained to her the, what was happening and what, what I was conducting with Harry and why I haven't spoken to Aver and Noah. And um, she told me that uh, Emma would be willing to sit down and talk with me before it went ahead with the understanding that a new identity was not made public. Of course, I agreed to uphold this and her new name was not used or any ever used on any recordings. I was about to meet the wife of Harry Bronte. Next time on Bronte. I hate him. I hate him so much for what he did and for what he did to my life. But I love him still, too. Harry Bronte was a pure deviant in every sense of the word. We are looking at a complete psychopath here. He asked me after his trial if I would be there at his execution. And I said, you better believe it, Harry. I'll be there when they pull the switch. I'm scared, Ken. I'm real scared.